Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my guest is Emra Gotigen, who is the co-founder and CEO of Chooch AI. Chooch AI is a visual artificial intelligence company. We'll be talking a lot about how their technology is being used in all sorts of use cases from COVID-19 sanitization to making sure that surgeries are done correctly, so don't go away. On this week's tech news, first up is PayPal just announced that they're going to offer cryptocurrency payments in 2021. Now, I know not everyone still yet understands cryptocurrency. I just want to be clear, I'm not a proponent one way or the other. I just think that it's coming, and that's why other countries are also adopting or looking into cryptocurrencies. But in PayPal's case, everything will be settled in fiat currency, but you can on what we say onboard and offboard in these four cryptocurrencies, which will be Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, and Litecoin. And those are the four most predominantly used or held cryptocurrencies today. Uh, what this is really saying is that PayPal also, unlike other cryptocurrency and wallets, it's gonna be an entirely closed system. PayPal will not be able or will not allow you to share other cryptocurrencies other than what you're paying them in on. So it's not the traditional sense of what people think of as cryptocurrency as a decentralized platform. I'll go into more detail than that in a future show. Snapchat increased heavily in their market cap, and that is really more the story about during COVID-19 that more people are using Instagram, Snapchat, and other social media to get their messaging across. And where initially there was an advertising dip, actually the advertising increased. My final news I want to talk about is all the questions around censorship on something like Twitter or Facebook or Google, especially in light of the alleged Hunter Biden case. Uh, What I want to say about that is a reminder that social media companies have protections that publishers do not get. And that's what's being called in the question. Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, is being called to testify in front of the Senate to talk about perceived censorship activities. So just a week and a half to the election, just always a reminder that be very cautious of anything you read or hear online. Use your own determination. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, my guest today is Emra Gotiken, who is the co-founder and CEO of Chooch AI, a visual artificial intelligence company. Welcome, Emra. How are you? Thank you, Keith. Uh, I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing really well. And I always love talking about artificial intelligence. It's uh, so relevant today. Before we get into what Chooch AI is, I wanted to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, what's your background and how'd you get into this space? Yeah, it's it's a good question because uh, who would get into this space after a certain age, right? Uh, so uh, I've been around um, Generation X. Uh, we watched too much sci-fi uh, in the 80s. And uh, I was a coder uh, when I was very, very young, um, uh, back uh, doing Apple IIEs, uh, basically programming on Apple IIEs at the time. It sounds and, like we're the same age, but keep going. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, it's pretty scary sometimes. But uh, so uh, I, after college, I became an entrepreneur and just uh, to earn a living, basically. And um, I'm from Turkey originally and uh, went back to my home country, uh, built a lot of businesses out there uh, in Europe and also in, um, in, in Turkey, um, Central Asia as well. And, and they, they always had like a technological slant, but um, there were real estate businesses and uh, uh, we did student housing, I did, established a university, uh, it was an arts college uh, in Istanbul. So there's a lot of different things uh, with, uh, with my time and uh, with the entrepreneur experience that I had. And actually my brother, uh, who is a, uh, who is an AI engineer, who's a, who's a programmer and he took it to another level um, he would come to me every five years with a, with a, with an idea or something that he was working on. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, so we would be never kind of got together to work together. Uh, but, uh, I would always see his vision and his capability in programming to be incredible because after four or five years, whatever he said came, came to fruition. Uh, so after uh, two two denials, and uh, I was like, okay, next time, definitely, you know, we're going to take it more seriously, and maybe I can jump on board and and support this process. So, and that was that was the uh, that was the beginning of Chuch AI, basically. So he had been developing this um, uh, for the healthcare industry, and uh, we he was one of the first uh, high res image uh, imaging uh, apps in the world, uh, and then he later open sourced that. So it could be used everywhere, basically. And we, we took that and said, hey, can we, can we generalize this? Uh, can we generalize the AI behind this and make it, uh, make it an AI platform and make it accessible to enterprises everywhere? And so that was kind of the, 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 the beginning of it. And uh, I had a few friends in Silicon Valley at the time and uh, spoke to them. He said, do, you know, do you understand any of this? And like, does this make sense to you? <laughs> And this was back, this was back 2013, 2014. So uh, it was, it was before even TensorFlow became uh, uh, open. It was, uh, you know, there were, there were no deep learning frameworks. I mean, there, there were some things that were going on, but it wasn't really, the GPU servers hadn't come onto, uh, into, right. into, into being either. So we, uh, we started the company back uh, late 2015. Uh, okay. So we uh, and then we packed our st our stuff and we came out to uh, to to the Bay Area uh, to be you know entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. So uh, that's kind of the you know my background with with Hakans who uh, who we 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 co-founded the company together. Uh, basically, uh, the uh, I have a business background. Hakan is very technical. And that, that was very complimentary in developing the company. And uh, I can't emphasize that uh, enough because at the end of the day, even a tech company is a business. So you have to, you have to think of you know, uh, projections, revenue. You have to think of how you create the business model, uh, how you sell this uh, and so forth, how you productize it. Uh, so it's not, in, it's not enough to have, the, have, to have good tech. You also have to, have to create the product and you have to sell it. Uh, so that was kind of my role in the company uh, initially, and uh, it's 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 been a great ride. I mean, we've been we've been doing really really well. Uh, some bumps along the way, but sure. uh, in general, you know, the uh, the the, tra the, tra the trajectory is uh, is is pretty good. Um, and a lot of my experiences from the past. So I built uh, this is my seventh company, wow. uh, and uh, some of them failed, uh, and some of them you know went sideways, and a lot some of them uh, were successes, but. Uh, 
a lot of that experience is actually very similar to the experiences that we're having today. And uh, whether you know you're you're in business for real estate or you do some other type of business, that that type of uh, grit and that type of persistence and those that knowledge that comes with any type of business is is really invaluable, even in the tech world, and maybe even more so in the tech world. And and, and we're, we're seeing we're seeing the, the the positive effects of that today as well. Well, well, thanks, Emra. That's a really good introduction, and I can't agree with you enough. Uh, there's going to be bumps along the road uh, when our team started our consulting firm. We're helping out large enterprises, and now we added on the last four years. We actually do a lot of startup mentoring, and everything you said around um, making sure that beyond just the great idea and the technical talent, you have to have a business plan, you have to have a roadmap, you have to have an understanding of product and marketing. That's really powerful that you've worked with seven companies and you've been able to see that. That actually is a really good foundational thing. And in our next segment, I want to get into what Chooch AI is, how that whole thing beyond uh, founding this with your brother, but more into the what's kind of the guts behind that, how is that being used? And we'll continue through that throughout the show. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. My guest today is Emra Gotikin of Chooch AI, co-founder and CEO. If you have any questions or comments about Chooch AI, visual AI, give us an email at info at svin.biz. And you can always find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Today, my guest is Emra Goltikin, who is the co-founder and CEO of Chooch AI, their visual artificial intelligence company. Welcome back, Emra. Thank you. Emra, Sometimes artificial intelligence, the word is scary. Uh, people don't always understand it. And a lot of what Chooch AI is doing is making AI accessible. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a great point. Um, and we're really at the, at the beginning of this revolution. It's, it's, it's like the internet in 1995, basically. Uh, so you know it's going to be very, very important, but it hasn't really taken off yet. And basically what we did was we tried to, uh, we divided the process into three different buckets. Uh, the first bucket, uh, which was really, really crucial is, is data set collection and da- data annotation. Um, and then the second bucket is training, training the model and actually using the deep learning frameworks like TensorFlow or MXNet or Gloon or whatever you're using, and then actually deploying these onto the inference engine. That's the third bucket. So what we saw was the inference engines uh, were working on the cloud pretty well. I mean, they were, uh, they, they, they were effective, let's say, on, on GPU servers. But the main bottlenecks here were in, in training, and that goes back to data set collection annotation. And so we, we tackled the training bit of this uh, to train the AI quickly, like a human. You know, this is that, and it'll learn it very, very quickly from a few images or a few video streams. And that's, the, that's what our innovation is really about. It's about data set collection, annotation, embedding those, and then training the model, and then deploying the it onto an inference engine. So we've been doing this on the cloud uh, for the last four years. So it's, it's, nothing, it's nothing new. But what's, what's really important here is, is 
to make it accessible to all video streams. So imagine all the dumb cameras out there mm -hmm. become smart at one point. To be able to do that, these things need to be on the edge. So your models and your inference engine has to be on the edge to be able to do that because you can't really stream these dumb cameras. It's just very expensive to do that. Uh, so you need to be doing these inferences on the edge. And recently with our uh, partnership with NVIDIA, we were able to put a lot of these models, uh, a lot of this, this, this entire inference engine without the degradation of uh, accuracy on the edge. And that's, that's, been, that's been our uh, forte as well over the past uh, a year and a year and a half. And so if you, if you look at the, uh, the buckets, it's a system. It's not, it's not enough to have an algorithm. Uh, this is not, AI is not an algorithm. It's, it's, a collect, it's, a, it's a collective system. And so to have that working from data set collection to training and then having the inference engine work on the edge has been, has been a very important step in making uh, this accessible to, to any enterprise. And that's what we've been doing. So pre-trained models uh, being loaded up onto inference engines on the edge has been, has been how we made it accessible. Well, thanks, Emra. That's a great detailed explanation. Uh, I'll try to put it also into a little bit of layman's terms and you can fill in the gaps, but imagine that what people, I think, we use a term called automagic. So sometimes technology, people don't know why it works, but it just works. And so that's what I'll liken this to. Uh, if you think about uploading your photos, or your videos up into the cloud somewhere, some photo service, some video service, and somehow it's identifying like in iPhones, um, hey, these are all the photos of my parents or my kids, and it's all been tagged ahead of time. I don't think people often think about, wow, that's a cool feature. And how did it happen? How did it get there? And so that's the tagging that's happening in these images. And that's where people probably just think it's auto magic. Where do you uh, chooch AI fit into that ecosystem? So you've got services like Apple, you have services like Amazon, uh, Google uses TensorFlow. Where is your positioning for chooch? Are you behind some of those use cases? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a great question. So basically what, what we do is we provide uh, the inference engine uh, to enterprises uh, in pre-trained models or models that need to be trained for a specific use case. Uh, so when you get in, when you get down to custom models, uh, like are, are, is everyone wearing a vest? Does everyone have their hard hat on? Uh, or do they have their masks on? Or, is, or, or, or an operation, a surgery, a procedure? Uh, those things, uh, we, those are the things that we excel in and we excel because of our training capability. So you train that to be a specific expert in that field. So you have a generalist approach, which Google does and some of these others, but what we do is we train the AI to be an expert in your specific use case. And uh, it's, it's like hiring an intern, uh, which is AI and putting it on those cameras. Uh, so uh, th that's really where we excel in making these uh, tr making these models very uh, uh, use case driven, uh, custom for the client, and putting it on the edge. Uh, and I can't like the I can't emphasize that enough. It's 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 something doing it in a cloud, but you're not going to be streaming millions of cameras to the cloud constantly. That's it's it's just not viable, and that's why it hasn't it's not being done. Uh, so you think of all these alarm companies and, uh, and why, why, why is it that it can't tell me that 
the UPS driver is here, or an Amazon Prime driver is here, or, or, or something else, instead of saying, uh, oh, there's some movement there. And this has to do with inferencing on the edge, uh, to be able to do that, those high quality inferencing uh, on the edge. So we see ourselves as, as an edge platform in that sense, and being able to customize the model for the client specific use cases, which are, which are, which are, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite a feat to do that. Yeah, it sounds like it. And that, that's where the differentiation is, is that to move this kind of processing onto the edge is where, as you mentioned, a lot of the magic is going to happen. That's where, right, right. Um, because it, it does take a lot of work. People, I think, since they're not familiar with technology, they don't understand how much effort that takes. And you can think about um, everything being connected. So you've got Nest cameras, ring doorbells, um, all kinds of things that uh, right now you can imagine, uh, I'm just now starting to see where when Amazon delivers a package, I get notified and, they, and somebody took a physical photo of that package. But if you already had it trained for your edge device, your camera, and they knew that it was a UPS person and that they delivered the package, you would also get that notification anyway because you'd see that coming onto your porch. Exactly. You would get, you would get, instead of movement on the porch, you would get, oh, UPS has dropped off two bags on the porch instead of someone having to physically take an image of that uh, picture of that. Uh, or, you know, your son has arrived or your, you know, your, your partner has arrived. Um, so those are the types of things that we need to move out to the edge. And that's, that's really what we do. Uh, we have, we have no degradation uh, of the accuracy on the, um, of, the, of the models when we move them to the edge. So that's one thing. And the second thing was obviously being able to customize it uh, to, to your personal needs uh, as, as, as e- either as an individual or as an enterprise. Is um, beyond visual AI, what are some of the related things that Chooch AI is thinking about in terms of the ecosystem that it's working in? Yeah, so it, it, it's been it's been uh, you know we're working with a lot of different partners, and uh, one of these partners is obviously Nvidia, uh, and so we're seeing a lot of uh, movement on the device side, and uh, the devices need to be uh, powerful devices in order to do this, but they also need to be cheap enough that you can deploy them <laughs> uh, without thinking, without breaking the bank with, with device companies. Um, and uh, so that's, that's, that's one of our things. And we're also uh, partnering with video integrators um, okay. that have already cameras out there. So imagine a video integrator that already has a million cameras out there and uh, they want to ch- change these dumb cameras into smart cameras. You're not going to replace all the cameras. I mean, you can, but it will take a long time. It'll cost a lot. What you want to do is you want to send the streams to an inference engine, which is at the warehouse or at the retail retail store, and have the have it become a smart camera. And so that's that's one thing that we're doing as well with video integrators is is transforming that process and 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 instead of uh, you know changing all the hardware, all you do is add a device to it. And uh, these smart, these dumb cameras become smart, and that's that's really what what we're what we're all about. We're out of time on this segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about what does the customer look like, how are they engaging with you and the product. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. My guest today is Emra Goltikin, who is the co-founder and CEO of Chooch AI. We've been talking a lot about visual artificial intelligence and getting behind 
the scenes of what that means, how it's being used. Do you have any questions or comments? Email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. I'll be right back with more with Emra. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Emra Goltekin, who is the co-founder and CEO of Chooch AI. We're talking about visual artificial intelligence and how their company is being used in all sorts of use cases like COVID-19, ensuring that your hands are washed properly, or in surgery departments, making sure that the surgery is done properly. So don't go away. In this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk about something really technical, which is you hear a lot about ransomware, and now you're hearing about companies and cities sometimes paying that ransom. Well, because of the Department of the Treasury, and they have an office that I used to own for the Bank of Tokyo called OFAC, Office of Foreign Assets Control. These are all the acronyms around fraud and money laundering, etc. That if you actually pay a ransom, you should really be concerned or careful that the ransom you're paying isn't going to someone or an entity on the OFAC list. So there's a master list of all the international entities that you cannot do business with. And so when it comes to paying a ransom, and I'm guessing most business owners would never even know this list exists because they're not in banking or doing financial transactions, that if you were to conduct the transaction, your lawyers and your bank, if the ransom is getting paid to a foreign entity on this list, you could be in serious trouble and you could be fined. And the treasury went out of its way to post a bulletin on it. So although most people are not well-versed in this at all, just be aware that if you decide to pay off a ransom because your computer or your systems got locked down, do consult with the proper authorities, regulator, attorneys that really know what they're doing because all of you might be caught up in a bigger problem in dealing with the government. So just as a reminder, have good antivirus. Don't click on that attachment. Don't click on that link and don't answer that random text. And that's the cyber tip of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, my guest today is Emra Goltikin, who is the co-founder and CEO of Chooch AI, a visual artificial intelligence company. We've been talking about Emra's history, Chooch AI's history, and really translating the layman's terms of what does visual AI mean. Welcome back, Emra. Good to be back. Off microphone, we had an interesting connection because I was talking about how uh, one of my future guests is Lieutenant J.J. Snow, the CTO of AFWorks, which is the Air Force's innovation division. And you had mentioned how one of your first engagements or contracts was with AFWorks. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that or whatever you're allowed to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we uh, we have tool, dual use, basically. So uh, our first contract with the U.S. government was through AFWorks. And it was a SPIR one, uh, SPIR one. And, uh, you know, three months, uh, did some research, uh, pitched a few people. And then uh, AFWorks really promoted what we were doing. And uh, we, uh, we actually got a SPIR two, SPIR two. Uh, and that was, that was a $3 million contract. So that was the second uh, contract that we got from the U.S. government. Uh, it was uh, August of 2019 at the time. And we're still very, very engaged with AFWorks. 
and AF Ventures uh, to, uh, to, to, to promote uh, this technology. And out of that came, uh, we, we became part of the ABMS program. Uh, so JADC2 ABMS, and we were just awarded an IDIQ in May. Uh, and so we're, we're progressively integrating our technology into, into the U.S. Air Force. And this is mainly for geospatial uh, use cases. So anything from drone, satellite, space, imagery. Congratulations. I mean, it's not easy to onboard with the U.S. government. So that hats off to you and team. That's great. So yeah. what are some of the other, because uh, you've been around since 2015, what have been some of the other customers you can talk about and how they've been using your product? Yeah, so initially uh, very media oriented. Um, so uh, we have uh, contracts with, uh, with media companies that go to events. Uh, so photographers uh, that are at events are taking thousands of images at the same time, and uh, they don't have the time to, uh, uh, to, uh, to tag them properly, uh, nor, nor do they have the expertise. Uh, so who's this? What type of dress is that person wearing? Like who's, who's next to the person? What type of atmosphere is it? And so forth. So they run all, our, all their images through our API. Um, it's sort of, like, uh, sort of like Google's API, but in, it, it's more detailed, um, and it also provides uh, some uh, some facial uh, authentication recognition as well so uh, that was like the first one of our, f- our first clients was was the media so we had uh, we have several media clients using the API that way today uh, and then we got into more detailed um, uh, things like video streams uh, which which where you need to uh, be able to understand actions uh, so uh, one of our clients today is one of the largest medical devices in uh, medical device com- companies in, in, in the United States and they use it in the operating room uh, oh, wow. to understand actions uh, in the operating room. So when does the patient enter? When does the surgeon come in? When does anesthesia start? When does it stop? Uh, when is the surgical cavity opened? What goes into the surgical cavity? What comes out of the surgical cavity? All through three cameras in the operating room. And uh, we basically, uh, this is, it's, it's, a, it's a method to understand what's happening there and to alert uh, team if, if there's a problem going on and also share best practices in, inside the different uh, uh, surgery teams. Uh, so we, uh, we've deployed for them uh, and it's working uh, today. Uh, so it's, 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 it's in production. Uh, so healthcare actions and then after COVID hit, it became uh, more and more of like mass detection and safety and security. Uh, so we trained, you know, we, we trained uh, radiology, we trained uh, uh, mass detection, hard hat detection, vest detection, gloves detection, uh, effective hand washing, believe it or not, in the industrial use case. Uh, effective. How would you detect effective hand washing? So there are stages of hand washing, uh, and we learned this later. So, you know, you, there, you turn on the faucet, you know, uh, lathering and all kinds of scrubbing, and then finally uh, drying your hands, right? Uh, or rinsing and then drying. So these stages are being detected by the AI. Okay. Uh, so, and, and there has to be a certain amount of seconds for each of those uh, stages. So, and if there's, no, if, there's no, if there's no compliance in any of those stages or the overall hand wash, it just gives you a signal and says, hey, this person hasn't washed their hands properly. Uh, so uh, that's, that's basically how, how you do it. You train the AI to understand the different steps of hand washing and we did this within a couple of hours and gave it to the client. 
And that's that 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 goes back to this thing of like how quickly can you train the AI to be an expert in that specific field and then deploy it across many many cameras. And so uh, hand washing is 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 important. Mass detection as well, very similar. Uh, it's easier to do that. Social distancing is something that we've deployed. Um, and now we're doing hard hat vest and, uh, and gloves as well. So, you know, very, sounds very basic, but it's, it's the, it's the auto magic, uh, so to speak of, of, of the back end is very, very exactly. Yeah. That's fascinating. Uh, like we said off microphone, I will definitely introduce you to my drone as a service company as in the media, we're also doing work with the media to, uh, use, uh, advanced drones to, um, do all that video work and there's definitely got to be something there. Uh, one thing I wanted to do, mention, because I know it does concern a lot of people and I'll, I'll bring up the use case in China that they have the ability. There, there was a, an article a few months back that I posted where the children were being monitored in a classroom for, for video. And then they all had um, video monitors attached to their heads up, uh, determining the performance of their teachers. And so it's kind of interesting in a society like China where, and again, this is government sponsored and sanctioned that they're both the teacher assessing whether the child's asleep, whether the child is alert. And then the students, their cameras are trained on the teacher to see if they're performing as well. We have all kinds of privacy laws here in the US, but what are some of the safeguards? And this is more as a supplier. What are some of the safeguards that uh, different clients do to make sure that they aren't invasive in the way that they're collecting data. Yeah. So that's a very dystopic uh, <laughs> <scheme> <laughs> there. Uh, so we, 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 we do not get into, we don't get involved into, into cases like that. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, data collection, anything biometric. Uh, so anything biometric has to be consent based, right? Uh, so, and that's the law here, uh, by the way. I mean, there, there are things that, uh, that, that companies do, but uh, you need to get consent uh, for biometric um, stuff. And we don't do facial recognition. Uh, we do facial authentication based on consent, uh, accessing certain areas like accessing your computer or accessing a, a, an office and so forth. Uh, but um, uh, this is another reason why the edge is so important. Uh, because if you're able to do these inferences and even training on the edge, uh, this information doesn't go to the cloud. It doesn't become public uh, at all. I mean, there's no way that it could uh, that it could come out. Of course, you you can. There are cybersecurity issues with with having these things on the edge. You know, you need to be able to protect protect that. But we take privacy very very. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's very important for the company. And uh, so uh, anything that uh, is consent-based, uh, we, we do. And the data collection is very anonymous. We don't collect PII uh, unless, uh, unless it's, it's consent by the, by, by the consumer, uh, the customer itself. So these are kind of the safeguards that we put in place. And the whole thing about the edge is that it's, it's making it easier for us to be compliant uh, to our own standards and to the law. And that's great. I'm glad you went through that explanation because oftentimes we talk about future technology. There is a lot of concern. I'll reemphasize that the U.S. and the European Union are on the leading edge of data privacy. And California, the state that we're in, is the highest standard. They're trying to be higher than the European standard. And I, and I know this also because of the drone work we do, that uh, it's good that 
a reminder that the edge adds another level of protection. I, I liken it to uh, Tim Cook in his battle with the government over Apple had said that a lot of the credentials they store um, faces, face authentication, that they're actually going to do the, exactly the same approach, which is to keep it off the cloud and really at the device level so that it doesn't get into the cloud. So that's, that's, that's super right. interesting. Emry, I can't believe that we're already out of time in our normal part of our show. So it's been super interesting to have you talk about Chooch AI and visual artificial intelligence. I'll definitely want you to have you come back. But before we do that, don't anyone go away because we're going to come back with more with Emra on the pivot to talk about what the future of artificial intelligence looks like. So Emra, thanks again for being here. Thank you. So any questions or comments about Chooch AI? Email us at info at svnbiz. Uh, find out more on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back to close the show with a pivot. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My guest today has been Emra Goltikin, who's the co-founder and CEO of Chooch AI. And they're doing visual artificial intelligence on the edge and on the cloud. And we're about to get into the pivot. Again, we had a very fascinating conversation about what your company has been doing, the work you've been doing with the Air Force and other customers, as well as the differentiation about how visual AI needs to move to the edge in the cloud to do certain types of use cases because it's just where all the competing power is. Let's go beyond that. What do you think the future is for all these technological advances? Where is it headed? Yeah, let's 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 take a look at why we're doing this in the first place, right? I mean, why are we really pushing AI or why are we developing these technologies? And at at, at the base level, it's it's really about augmenting human capability. Uh, so it's not really about replacing people, it's about augmenting their capabilities and making us more efficient. And that's what uh, technological evolution has always done. I mean, innovation, uh, you know, that's that's the base of it. So AI is no different from the innovation of the internet or the innovation of computers or cell phones. So uh, we're doing this to, to augment human capability. And that's, that's really what this is about. And uh, know there's a lot of fear out there about AI. And I want to address that because that's, that's some, we're in the trenches here. We're, 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 we're doing AI every day. Well, this is important because you and I grew up with Skynet Terminator and a lot of Americans especially have that in their head that eventually artificial intelligence will rise up. You talk about iRobot and things are just going to take over. So I think it's important for you to dive into this topic. Yeah, yeah. There's this fear and, you know, we grew up with these movies and all that kind of stuff. And we, we see what's happening in China and it, it, it kind of makes people uh, fearful of this technology. The technology is not what we should be afraid of we should be afraid of like, you know, certain use cases of that technology. But at the end of the day, uh, what we're doing is we're augmenting human capabilities and it's, it's, it's nowhere near general artificial intelligence. So general artificial intelligence may never come. I mean, it's, 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 it's such a, it's such a step forward. Uh, this is, this is, this is like, uh, Excel on steroids. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's powerful, 
It's very powerful, but it's it's not the AI you think it is. It's 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 a very it's a, it's still very very crude, and we think it's going to be that way uh, for the next uh, 10, 20 years. Um, you have things like automotive uh, self self driving cars, autonomous vehicles, uh, and you can see how difficult even bringing those to market has been over the last 10 years. And there is an exponential increase in the capabilities, but still we're still a bit far away from that. So just want to address the fear that this is not taking over. Uh, what we have to be, what we have to be concerned about is our people's uh, uh, relationship with technology and, and screen time and children's screen time and things more, more softer things than just say, okay, AI is, is this. So uh, what we're doing is we're augmenting human capability. And uh, I think that's, that's the theme that we need to keep promoting because if we augment human capability, actually we're making ourselves more efficient. We become more efficient as individuals. We become more efficient as, as communities and we can provide more and we, we can become actually more uh, egalitarian as well because it creates competition. The more you have these tools in people's hands. Uh, so for us, it's, 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 it's AI is something that augments human capability. It supports us, but it also uh, democratizes uh, some of these uh, things that were uh, in the past more mono monopolistic. Uh, so we see it as 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 a as as a, as a move going forward, and and we're very, uh, you know, we're very we're very uh, fortunate to be part of this ecosystem. But we're also, uh, you know, looking at it in a very positive sense. That's very optimistic, and I'm glad you're mentioning this. Uh, one of the things we think about in human augmentation, uh, one of the things that we've covered a lot in artificial intelligence in the past is this concept of algorithmic biases, which is the corollary to human um, confirmation biases or other biases. So in terms of projecting as we continue to advance in technologies, artificial intelligence, and I agree, I don't think general AI may ever get there. But why don't we finish this topic today with how do biases get addressed and uh, taken out of the equation? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because we, we deal with it day in, day out. So when you train an AI, right, you train it with a certain data set. And whoever generated that data set, whether it's a human being or it's another machine, uh, you're bound by that by that data set and inherently has biases. I mean, it's, 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 you, you, can, you can limit the bias, but it inherently has it. So if you train a model to become an expert in fashion, and then you show it like food that it's never seen before, it's gonna think a salmon is a shoe. And so this is, this is the type of bias that we deal with uh, every day. So Anytime a data set is validated, uh, data set is generated, it has to be validated by a human being. And that's really where we have human in the loop where it says, okay, this data set was generated. It has like 10,000 images of X. Uh, is it really X? What, where is the dirty data? So you can have the machine actually clear out some of the dirty data itself uh, because there are, there, there are certain algorithms for that. But at the end of the day, a human has to look at it. And I think we're not there yet where, you know, you can just, throw in data sets and then pretend that this, this AI that you're developing doesn't have, is not going to create biases. It will create bias. And, and because it's scalable, it's, it's more scary than a human having a bias. So that's really, you need, you need to be really tight with your data set. 
especially if you're doing something very critical. Emra, we're out of time, but I really appreciate you having the show today. As we said about earlier, happy to have you come back sometime. Thank you, Keith. So you're listening to the Silicon Valley Insider. My guest today has been Emra Goltikin, co-founder and CEO of Chooch AI. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 